0: Hey everybody, John Fenn here, Church Without Walls International, CWOWI.org, and our EU website, cwowi.eu. Hey, visit our websites. We are a House Church Network. If you want to learn more? There's there's podcasts, there's 10 question-answer videos on our cwowi.org uh, a website. Uh, there's there's teachings, there's all sorts of stuff there to help you with house church. House church is not a miniature of the auditorium. We take turns leading, we take turns hosting, so that you develop a core group of people who are used to hosting, who are used to leading. When you outgrow a home, you simply multiply out because you've got the, that core group of people who are used to getting together and, and leading and hosting. And then you stay related. The two groups can get together for an all-church meeting every month or every couple of three months or whatever everybody wants to do. But you stay related to one another. That's the pattern we see in the New Testament. That's how they grew. They'd outgrow and they just multiply out. Anyway. Today, talking about the three teachings of Luke chapter 11. And last week, I talked about the three parables of John chapter 10, verses 1 through 18. So today, talking about the three teachings of Luke chapter 11. It starts with, it's a it's a sandwich. It's the Lord's Prayer on one slice of bread. And on the other slice of bread, Jesus talks about being a good father and how good the heavenly father is. And right in the middle is the parable called the Friend at Midnight. Now, the friend at midnight is a parable that a lot of people have looked at, taken out of context and said, this is how I have to pray. The friend at midnight starts in in Luke chapter 11 and verses five through eight. And Jesus said this, which of you has a friend who is, is sound asleep in bed at midnight and you have a friend that comes to your house and you don't have anything to feed them. So you go to this friend and knock on his door. And the friend says, don't bother me. It's midnight. My kids are asleep. I'm asleep. Uh, I'm not going to get up and, and get you what you need. Go away. I'm asleep. And he says he won't give him what he needs because of his friendship, but because he keeps on knocking, he will get up and get out of bed and give him the three loaves of bread that, he, that he'd wanted. Now, a lot of people look at that. And in fact, we have the phrase pounding the gates of heaven. How many have ever heard or used, hey, I'm pounding the gates of heaven, or or you want somebody to pray for you, say, please pound the gates of heaven for us. That's all wrong. That's not New Testament reality. Jesus is actually using opposites here because in the very next verse, he says to you, but I say to you, ask and you will receive, seek and you will find, knock and it will be open to you. So Jesus says, He says, hey, which of you has a friend at midnight and you go to him because you've got some friends who've come and you don't have any food in the house. So you go to your friend and you knock on the door and you keep on knocking. And he says, go away, I'm asleep. My children are in bed. I don't wanna get up and bother you. And Jesus says, he will eventually get up if you keep on knocking and give you what you need. But I say to you, ask and you'll receive. Seek and you will find. Knock, it will be open to you. He's using opposites here. And he continues this thought and he says, so which of you, being a father, has, has a son who asks for, who asks for bread? Are you going to give him a rock? If he asks for a fish, are you going to give him a, a, a snake? If he asks for an egg, are you going to give him a scorpion? He said, if you then being mere men know how to be good, how much more does your father know how to give good gifts and give the Holy Spirit and the things of the Spirit to those who ask him? You see, Jesus is using opposites here. If you've had this idea that you've got to knock on the gates of heaven or pound the gates of heaven, you need to change your thinking to New Testament realities. See Hebrews chapter four, verses 12 through 16, where it says that the word of God, that is the person of the word, that's not ink on a page, that's not chapter and verse. The context is the person. The word of God is living and sharper and two, sharper than any two-edged sword and able to divide asunder between soul and spirit, joints and marrow, thoughts and the intentions of the heart and all things are open and naked before him with whom we have to do. Seeing then that we have Jesus Christ, the righteous, who's passed into the heavens, let us come boldly to the throne to receive mercy and grace to help in time of need. You've already got Christ in you. You just turn your heart to Father and boom, you are there. There's no courts. There's no appeal process. There's, there's no crawling on your hands and knees to the throne. Come boldly to the throne to receive mercy and grace to help in time of need. That's New Testament reality. You've got Christ in you already. You're one in Christ and he is in you and you are in him. So you, so don't go back to that friend at midnight and, you know, and think that that's what Jesus is teaching about the father. He's not. He's using it as an opposite. He said, if you've got a best friend, And that best friend, as much as he loves you and much as he cares about you, is only going to get up at midnight and give you three loaves of bread that you asked for just because you keep knocking and knocking and knocking at the door. He says, How much more is your heavenly father going to give you what you need? If you ask, you'll find. If you seek, or if you ask, you can have. If you seek, you'll find. If you, if you knock, it will be open to you. He's using opposites there. So Luke chapter 11 concludes with that through the parable of the of the of the friend at midnight and then Jesus says, you know hey you got you, you guys are dads you know you've you got a, a kid who, who asks for bread he asked for for a fish he asks for an egg you're not going to give him a stone or a snake or a scorpion and you are just mere men and you know how to give good gifts to your kids how much more does the father want to give to you? See, Jesus is 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 defending and and teaching about the goodness of the Father, and that's consistent with the New Testament. Um, and And let's go to the Lord's prayer before I be, go on with that, and then I'll circle on around. It opens this whole chapter opens with the Lord's prayer, because the disciples come to him and they say, "Hey, John the Baptist is is uh, teaching the guys how to pray. His disciples how to pray. Would you teach us, you know, how to pray?" When Jesus talks about the Lord's Prayer, he's not establishing pray this prayer. There's nothing wrong with what it has become, the Lord's Prayer. Everybody knows the Lord's Prayer. There's nothing wrong with that. But it started out as just a pattern to follow. And we know this because through the 30 years of the book of Acts, you never see them praying the Lord's Prayer. Through all the rest of the teaching of the New Testament in in Paul and Peter and James and John and Jude you don't you don't see the lord's prayer anywhere it's it's only here in matthew and in luke as a pattern of prayer and so so jesus starts out and he says first off you address the father our father in heaven holy is your name and that pattern is a, is the pattern for the rest of the prayers in the new testament because jesus said in the day that he's gone he said this in john chapter 16 verse 23 in john 16:23 he said in that day you'll ask me nothing but you'll ask the Father in my name, and he will give it to you. Because the Father, folks, is the source of every good thing. Every prayer in the New Testament is to the Father. You'll find your prayers much more effective if you will, if you have found yourself asking Jesus for things and then thought, my prayer life is not very effective, I'm not getting the answers. You know, you, the Father is very legal. He's very proper. He On that last day, no one can bring an accusation against him. And so when Jesus said, you pray to the Father in my name, that is a command. And so many millions of Christians have disobeyed or not paid attention, and they're, they're asking Jesus for everything. And Jesus is like, hold it, I'm the body and the Father is the source, so go to the source. That's why the prayers of the New Testament, you know, Acts chapter 4, uh, about verse 24 through 31, Peter comes back to his own after being reprimanded by the leaders, and, and they cry out, oh God. You know, you who made heaven and earth. There's, Peter's following the pattern of the Lord's prayer. You who made heaven and earth and everything therein, and he goes on down. Behold your threatenings, the threatenings which they make against your servants. And Peter concludes that prayer. Now stretch forth your hand to heal in the name of your holy child Jesus. So that prayer is to the Father, and it follows kind of that Lord's prayer pattern. Uh, Paul's prayers in Ephesians chapter one, verses seventeen through nineteen. For this, uh, for I I asked the Father in heaven to give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him so that the eyes of your understanding would be open and you'll understand the, the, the depths of the invitation we have in him. And Paul's prayer in Ephesians chapter three, verse 15, uh, for this cause I bow my knees to the father of the Lord Jesus Christ of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named that he would grant you. See, it's to the father. So anyway, Jesus starts out this, this pattern here in Luke chapter 11 praying, addressing the father. And so from, from that point on, we're only asking things of the Father. We don't ask of Jesus. We don't ask of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we want to obey Jesus. We want to, and he said to, to pray to the Father. That is the pattern in Peter and Paul, the rest of the New Testament. Our Father in heaven. And he goes on, he says, now, now let me say this. There's some argument among scholars about the tense that is used, T-E-N-S-E, the tense that is used, because the Greek is an aorist. It's an imperative. Yeah, which which means basically the, the Lord's Prayer is more of a statement. It's an affirmation. In the Aramaic, it is uh, even more so. Uh, uh, and and there's some argument between you know exactly how it should be translated. But basically, the Lord's Prayer is not so much of a request as a statement, because Jesus is telling them a pattern to pray. They said, teach us how to pray. So Jesus is establishing a pattern. He's not saying, pray this prayer verbatim. He is saying, this is the pattern. And so, you know, he says, your Father in heaven, your name is holy. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then he goes into statements. You give us our bread. You you forgive us our sins as we forgive those who who uh, sin against us. You don't lead us into temptation, but you deliver us from evil. In fact, that whole statement there about you deliver, excuse me, uh, lead us not into temptation. Again, New Testament reality is this. The father does not lead you into temptation. In James chapter one, verse two, James writes, and he says, he says, count it all joy, brethren, when you fall into various Trials, tests, and temptations. It's the same word, uh, tests and trials. Fault, count it all joy. And and by saying joy, he's he's talking about a fruit of the Spirit from Galatians 5.23. He's talking about a fruit of the Spirit. You can't, you don't count happiness when you encounter trials and tribulations and, and temptations. You count it all joy. You pull on the strength, the, the fact that Christ is in you, the fruit of the Spirit, to count it joy. You get in touch with the Lord. You stay in worship. You let that joy come up out of your spirit. And he goes on and talks about counting it all joy because it will exercise patience. And, and patience means consistency. It will, it will practice. It will, it will train. It will exercise consistency in your life. And then he goes on to verse 13. And he said, now let nobody say when he's tempted, tested, or tried that God's doing it to him. For God is not tested with evil, neither does he test anybody with evil. But everyone is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And he goes down in verses 16, 17, 18. He says, don't err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variable variableness, neither a hint of, of turning, uh, not even a shade, not even a hint of turning of his character, of his own free will. He birthed us as part of his first fruits of creation, that we should walk in things that he has prepared for us. That's New Testament reality. So you go back to the Lord's Prayer and you realize that, that it is in fact more of a statement that you don't lead us into temptation, but you do, and you do deliver us from evil. But my point is, in all of this, I don't want to get lost in just taking apart the Lord's Prayer there to explain it. But Jesus is consistent throughout these three examples. The Lord's prayer is an example of a good father. He is in heaven. His name is holy. His will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He gives us our bread, our daily bread. He forgives us our trespasses as we also forgive those who trespass against us. He doesn't lead us into temptation, but and he does deliver us from evil, and his kingdom is forever. And then he goes on to, which of you has a friend at midnight, and you have a friend and he comes to you and you don't have any bread. So you go to your friend and you knock on the door and he says, go away. I'm asleep. My kids are asleep. And you keep knocking and you keep knocking. And even though he's your best friend, he's not going to get up and give you what you need just based on your friendship. He's going to you what, give you what you need because you keep on knocking. He says, but I say to you, ask, you'll receive. Seek, you will find. Knock, it'll be open to you. Which of you being fathers has a son? who asked for bread and you're going to give him a rock or if he if he if he asked for uh, uh, whatever the <laughs> it was and you're going to give him a, a serpent or he asked for an egg a uh, oh fish fish and a and a snake or and he asked for an egg and you you're going to give him a scorpion of course not if you then being mere men mere sinners know how to do good things for your children how much more will your heavenly father do good things for you and give you the spirit. See, that's the whole picture right there. The slice of bread of the Lord's prayer showing how good the Father is, how willing he is, his, his 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 he that he is for us. And then the other slice of bread about being good father and about how if we ask, seek and knock, we will find and and it'll be open to us. And then right in the middle is the opposite so Jesus can make his point by by sharing the other two slices of bread and share his point there. Your father is not a sleepy friend at midnight who refuses to, to do you good. He's not your adversary. Your father is for you. All right, God bless. I hope this has helped. You can you can go back over this. There's a lot of stuff to cover in there, but I hope it's been a blessing. God bless. C-W-O-W-I dot